thank you, Dwayne. It's good to be back at Liberty. I've stood at this platform uh, several times, and I want you to know, I, I must say this, that you're here because of the vision, the heart, and the life of a man called Jerry Falwell. I believe the greatest spiritual leader of our generation. And all that you have is due to his work, his labor, his commitment. And he loved every one of you that he knew. And uh, you all stand in his debt. So I'm grateful for the life of Jerry Falwell. And uh, I, I agreed with him. I agreed with his boldness. I agreed with his stance. But I love college students. Two of my sons are graduates of this institution. One of them just got his PhD. He's now a professor. One of them is a pastor. Uh, I, I, I love college students because they have a way of, of kind of saying um, uh, the right thing. It may not seem to be the right thing. By the way, I just loved uh, uh, the music. What a, what a blessing it was. What a good name for that group. But this college student came through a town one day going about 90 miles an hour. The policeman was busy with another a person he had had pulled over, and he said, man, that young man does that too many times. He's on his way to college, but I'm going to hide behind this sign, and when he comes back through this afternoon, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. So the policeman was hiding behind a building. Here comes this college student about 85 or 90 miles an hour through this town. He was really going fast. The policeman stood out. The blue light came on. He pulled the college student over, and he said, I've been waiting all day for you. The college student said, I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> well, be careful when you're speeding. I hope you see the movie Fireproof. It's a great movie. And uh, most of you one day will be married and you'll need to learn how to treat your spouses. And of course that movie was uh, created in our state, Sherwood Baptist Church, the same ones that did Facing the Giants. I, uh, I heard a couple of the day, uh, they were sitting at the table, and it was supper time. Nothing had been said much all day, and finally the wife looks at the husband, and she said, do you know what day this is? He said, well, of course, it's June the 10th. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. Honey, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know. She said, yes, you forgot our anniversary. He said, I, I'm sorry. What? whatever you want. She said, well, I'll forgive you, but tomorrow when I come home, there better be something in that garage that if I step on it, I mean, if I really step on it, it'll go from zero to 180 in just a few seconds. So the next day she comes home and there's some bathroom scales in the garage floor. Don't ever do that. We're going to go. <laughs> We're going to go to the book of Jonah. They called me and asked me uh, what I was preaching on today, and I told them four lessons everybody should know. The book of Jonah, and uh, I have a time limit, so I'm going to stay within that time limit. The book of Jonah, four lessons. Teenagers, young people, college students, young adults. Let me tell you this. If you can learn these four things, it will dramatically influence your life for the good. As I've said, I've had two sons graduated from here, and uh, if, 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 if they were out there, I would want them to hear what I'm telling you. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, 
for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Now this is a preacher. This is a man God has called. He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. By the way, you always go down when you go away from God. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. By the way, it always costs you something when you go away from God. He went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind of the sea so that the uh, ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners, that is the sailors, were afraid and cried every man into his God to cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the ocean or into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah, the preacher, where was he? He was going down to the sides of the ship and he lay and he was fast asleep. We got too many sleeping preachers. Now, the shipmaster came and cried unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we might not perish. Now go to verse 15. So they took up Jonah, they cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from a raging. Then the men that feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared not a whale, but a great fish. And it swallowed up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, the last verse. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Four lessons everybody must know. Number one, God is inescapable. You cannot escape God. Here God calls on Jonah. And Jonah, the Bible says, while God said to go to Nineveh, Jonah went to Tarshish, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Notice the extreme things God did to let Jonah know, you can't get away from me. First of all, he sends a storm. Next of all, after that didn't work, he's thrown overboard. Jonah probably thought, well, I'm still away from God. But all of a sudden, when Jonah thought he was free, a big fish comes up and swallows him. Well, any preacher out of God's will makes anything sick in their stomach. And the fish vomits Jonah upon the dry land. Now, why did I want you to read chapter 2, verse 10? Because the land near the water is not dry. It's moist. It's damp because of the water that comes up on the land. But Jonah didn't just flop out of the fish's mouth. He shot Jonah out of his mouth like a, somebody shot out of a cannon on dry land because God knew that if Jonah was near the water, he would wash back out to, into the sea of rebellion, out into the sea of disobedience. When God deals with you, he will deal with you dramatically. He spit him out upon dry land. God is inescapable. He's inescapable for a nation. There was a day when Rome thought it could get away from God. You know what was allowed during the Roman Empire? Spider children, a uh, landowner, a wealthy man could go steal a child from the peasant when he was just a little infant. And they'd take those little babies and they'd break their arms and legs over their knees. And they'd let those little children grow up without those bones being set. And they would look something like this, very grotesque. And they'd put little tin cans in their hands and they would deposit them around the city of Rome. And the man would come periodically in the day 
and he put that money in his pocket. That was allowed during the Roman Empire. You say, what a wicked nation. Well, I don't know if it's any more wicked than a nation that allows 4,000 babies murdered every day. The most dangerous place for a baby to be in America is in its mother's womb. God brought judgment against Rome. Germany thought it could get away from God. Nazism, Fascism, the Aryan race. But God brought Germany to its knees. Germany learned you can't get away from God. Certainly America must do this. Ruth Graham said a very interesting thing, that if God does not destroy America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We've got to learn you can't get away from God. Let me show you also, not only from a nation, but from an individual. Uh, Huey P. Long, the governor of Louisiana. Some people think famous, a lot of people think infamous. He was elected United States Senator. He came out of an elevator in Washington, D.C. An old deacon from uh, Baton Rouge uh, saw him and said, hey, governor, he was still a senator, but he called him governor. He said, hey, governor, how about a cup of coffee? Huey P. Long turned around to the man. He said, I, I don't have time, Bob. I've got to get to a meeting. He said, now, wait, wait a minute. Don't, don't big shot me. Give me five minutes. He said, if Jesus Christ was here, I couldn't give him five seconds. How am I going to give you five minutes? The next day, Huey P. Long walked out of his office. Gunmen were waiting at the end of the hall. They riddled his body with bullets, and he fell dead on that floor. The bullet holes in that plaster they have left. You could go there today, and you could take your fingers and touch those bullet holes, and you know what they would say to you? One day, a man cannot give Jesus Christ five seconds, but the next day, he had to, had to answer to Jesus Christ for an eternity. God gets the last word about you. God is inescapable. Let me show the second lesson you must never forget. Our sins affect other people. When we open the Bible, it says Jonah was thrown overboard, but the mariners were afraid. Well, why were they afraid? They hadn't done anything wrong. But other people suffered because of Jonah. A storm came. The ship was rocked back and forth. How about all those people over here in Nineveh that should have had a preacher? How many homes were broken? How many people committed suicide? Uh, how many people died without knowing God because the preacher was on a cruise? How many people suffered in Nineveh because Jonah was over here goofing off? He lay in the bottom of a ship absolutely asleep. One problem we have in America, we have too many six-foot icicles behind the pulpits. Men who don't say anything. I've learned a lot of preachers have developed the art of almost saying something. Our sins affect other people. I was preaching on the seven lies of the devil one time at the super conference here in this very building. Right over here, a young lady came up to me because I'd told a story, and here's what the story I told. A college student not too far from here got a few beers one day, had his new Mustang, and he got this girl to get in the car, and they began to ride around. But he had about five beers in his belly, and as they were driving around, he tried to make a curve, went off the road, hit a big oak tree, and killed the young lady. 
You can imagine how grieved the parents were. When I told that story, this young lady, a student at Liberty, walked up to me and she says, Dr. Smith, that, that was my sister you just told about. I don't believe my parents will get over it. The sister didn't do anything wrong except make a bad decision. She got in a car with a boy that had been drinking and he will go to his grave knowing that because of his sin, somebody else died. When I was pastor in New Mexico, there was a teenage boy that collected highway signs. By the way, don't do that. And the only sign that he had that he did not have was a stop sign. So one night he and a couple of his friends went out to an intersection way out from Hobbs and stole a stop sign. That night one of our members that I love very much and my wife, a close friend, she and her mother and their two daughters were coming back from a city called Artesia. When they got to that intersection, there was no stop sign. An oil tanker went right on through and T-boned her car. She was the only one severely injured. I went to the hospital to see her. Dr. Van Howard, a doctor, had done surgery on her brain. He told me to release the pressure of the swelling. She died the next day because one boy thought it was cute to steal a stop sign. One woman went to her grave, left a broken-hearted husband, and left two little girls orphans. Our sins affect other people. You see, there's one thing God cannot do. God can forgive your sins, but he cannot stop the consequences of your sins. You pull a trigger at somebody, and as soon as you pull that trigger, you feel remorseful and repentant, and you say, God, forgive me. Well, God forgive you absolutely, but your friend will still fall dead. You crawl up on the vine center and please don't do that. But if you were to crawl up on the vine center and jump off and on the way down, you thought, I've really made a dumb decision. I should not have jumped off the vine center. God, will you forgive me? God says, yes, splat. God will forgive you for jumping off the vine center, but he will not keep you from hitting the ground because you've broken a little law called the law of what? Gravity. And there's a law of sowing and reaping. The Bible says the sins of the father are passed on to the third and fourth generation. God can forgive your sins, but he cannot stop the consequences of your sins. Old George Jones, the country singer, had a song where he talked about, and I don't listen to country music, but I bought a deacon's car the other day and he had this station on. And, and he was talking about choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. Our sins affect other people. I was with Morris Chapman when he was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Wichita Falls the week after a big tornado came through. And uh, I said, Mars, I don't see the tornado. He said, uh, well, of course, it only lasted 38 seconds. And I, I, he, he showed me where it was. It hit a strip mall, destroyed some homes, 41 people had been killed. And I thought, what an interesting illustration that is of sin. The tornado lasted 38 seconds, but 41 people are still dead. I looked at all the demolished homes. Some of the buildings looked like they were nothing but splinters. 
The tornado was just for less than a minute, but the devastation remains. Don't ever do something tonight in the darkness that will embarrass you in tomorrow's light. Sin can last for a moment, but its consequences can last for a lifetime. I talk to people almost on a daily basis in their 30s and 40s who are hurting because of what they did as a teenager. I've got a preacher friend, he's spoken here. When he was a kid, his mother tossed him to and fro. He never really knew who his daddy was. He smoked pot for years. The, the AMA has now said marijuana can cause brain defects, physical defects in your children. He has a little girl that has been so battling physical and mental problems, one hospital, one specialist after another. One day he fell right here on my shoulder and he wept. And he said, Bailey, I know my little girl is suffering because of what I did before I ever knew I would have a daughter. Sin can last for just a moment, but its consequences can last until the day you die. That's lesson number two, our sins affect others. Lesson number three, be thankful for the storms of life. I don't know what storm you're going through, but you're going through one. Life is full of storms. You're, you're, you're in one, you've been in one, or you're headed toward one. When I was in college, it was always a financial storm because I was constantly broke. And sometimes God sends storms into life. Had the storm not come, Jonah would have gone all the way to Tarshish. But this way, God was getting him back to Nineveh. And here Jonah was fast asleep. What does that tell me? Jonah was okay with his rebellion. Jonah was okay with the fact that he was going away from the, the, the will of God. Hey, hey, my friends, when your sin furrows your brow, when your sin gives you gray hair, when your sin makes you soak your pillow with your tears at night, when your sin grieves you, there's hope. But when you make peace with your sin, there's very little hope for you. Some of you may be watching those uh, wrong movies and somehow you've justified it, you're in trouble. Some of you are sexually active, you're in trouble. Some of you are not going to church as you should, and it doesn't bother you, you're in trouble. You see, there's a word in the Bible called repentance. The Greek word is metanoia, it means an about face. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. There must be repentance. Be thankful for the storms of life that, that God gets your attention. There's an interesting phrase in Revelation 3.20. It talks about when God knocks on your heart's door. Now, God can't, or he doesn't do this. He doesn't knock on your heart cavity. He doesn't knock on your chest. How does God knock on the door to get your attention? It may be a blessing you just got a heartache you just got, an awareness of your sin, but I want you to be thankful for the storms of life. A friend of mine, Jimmy Draper, who was president of Lifeway, 300 million a year, used to be called Baptist bookstores, but they own Glorietta, they own Ridgecrest, 
One night he was coming home from speaking, he noticed flames coming out of a window. It was 2.30 in the morning. Jimmy Draper goes up to the front door and as loudly as he can, he's knocking on that door. I'm sure the people who heard that knock were irritated. He did the doorbell over and over again. Finally, a man comes to the door and said, what on earth are you doing? He said, sir, your house is on fire. And sure enough, it was. He got the wife, the children out. Later, thank Dr. Jimmy Draper for that. Sometimes something that may upset you, may uproot you, may disturb you, is God's will of letting you know your house is on fire. Your life is in trouble. Your future is in doubt. So be thankful for the storms of life. Number four, God's will is life's greatest joy. Hey, Jonah, I, I, I want you to go to Nineveh. Uh oh, no, God, no, thank you. I believe I'll go over here to Tarshish. He began to rationalize. Well, there are people in Tarshish that need somebody. I'm sure there are people here that need a preacher. Hey, God didn't tell you to go where the greatest need was. God didn't tell you to go where the most people lost. God told you to go where God told you to go. God told you to do what God told you to do. There's a story in the Old Testament by the, uh, a man by the name of, of uh, Naaman. God tells him to go dip in water. Anybody remember the river? The Jordan River. Because he has leprosy and he's an important man. Well, he says, I can't dip in Jordan River. I'm, I'm a Syrian. I'm from Damascus. We have two rivers called Abana and Farper. They're, they're pure. They're crystal clear. I'm going to dip in Abana and Farper. What's wrong with that? Only one thing, Naaman. There's only one thing wrong with dipping in the better waters. God told you to go dip in the Jordan River. Don't rationalize yourself out of God's will. Had he gone dipped in the rivers that were more beautiful, the rivers that were more clean, the rivers that were more attractive, he would have still had leprosy. But he goes over to Jordan and he dips seven times and he comes up absolutely pure. God's will is life's greatest joy. When I was in college, I was broke. And uh, they called me over to the public relations department and said, Bailey, there's a church, First Baptist Church, Brinkley, Arkansas, that needs a youth director. Can you do that? I, they pay $35 a week. I said, for $35 a week, I'd be lifeguard for the baptistry. And uh, I, I'd be willing to go. I go to First Baptist Church, Brinkley. The pastor's name is Del McCoy. I walk in, and they had put me, by the way, at an old hotel. I mean, this was... The only light was the light you pull a string down in the middle. The bathroom was at the end of the hall. I heard booger bears all night. A ghostly old wooden building. The next day, Brother McCoy, when I walk in, says, Now, son, here's the Baptist hymnal. Uh, you just lead the songs that you want to lead. I said, Sir, I, 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 I can't sing. He said, We've got you here to be music youth director. I said, I didn't know the music part of it was there. I thought it was just youth director. He said, you've got to lead the music. I said, this is going to be it. I learned at that time there's nothing to being a music director. If you do your hands like this, you can sing any song in the book. And I did that. And I met with the committee that afternoon at the Rusher Hotel. 
That night I walked in, he says, now you got to lead the youth choir. I said, Brother McCoy, I faked it this morning, but if I try to lead a choir, they're going to know that I'm not. He said, you've got to lead the choir. We did 11 stanzas of Do Lord. That church met and called me to be their music youth director. And I have to admit to you, I accepted because I needed the job, even though I was working on campus, I needed that $35 a week. But going home that night, I'd taken a man by the name of E.B. Duke, who's now a dentist in Far City, Arkansas. The generator went out on my 1950 Ford. It cost me $17. I had bought me a suit at an old uh, hardware store because I didn't uh, have but an old uh, flimsy suit. It cost me $7. And uh, I wore that suit to the first football game, and it rained on my new $7 Hart Shafter and Mark suit. And you're talking about soaking wet, and I sent it to the cleaners. Well, when I got that suit back, I can't tell you how much it had shrunk. It was about that high on the clothes hanger. I walked down the hall, and all the guys said, Hey, Smith, you got your little brother's suit? I was the only college student in Arkansas that had Bermuda shorts with a coat to match. I'd ruined my suit, the generator took the rest of my money, I knew God was trying to tell me he never called me to be a music youth director. I get on the phone, I call Dale McCoy, the pastor, and it was, <laughs> it was one of the funniest reactions I've ever heard. I said, Brother McCoy, Bailey Smith, he said, yes. I says, thank you for calling me to be your music youth director, but I have to, I have to tell you that I cannot take the job. I will, never, I will never forget his response. He said, thank God. But you know, after that, I received the church as a pastor, and I was a pastor for the next 30 years until God called me into evangelism because God did not call me to be a music youth director. I was taking it for the wrong reason, and I've learned to be in the will of God is life's greatest joy. There when I was pastor, at the First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City, Oklahoma. Go Sooners go, amen. i never forget when a man came and offered me a million dollars to go into evangelism. He had just sold when we agreed as a country to start selling grain to Russia. He had tons of grain. He lived in Guyman, Oklahoma. We were building a 7,000 seat auditorium where I was a pastor, and I knew God was going to call me into evangelism, not then. And I looked at him and I said, buddy, I can't take a million dollars. And it was made out to me personally. He said, look, I watch you on television. I believe you ought to be an evangelist. I said, I can't do it now. I'm sorry. He took that check, put it back into his pocket. But I felt absolute peace about it. Because if today somebody put a million dollars tax-free in this hand and says, Bailey, here's a million dollars, but don't you ever preach again, I would say, keep your money. I'm not for sale. God's will is life's greatest joy. A little boy was trying to put a puzzle of Jesus and the disciples together. He couldn't get it together. A little girl comes up, she said, I can put that puzzle of Jesus and the disciples together. And uh, 
he said, you cannot. I'm a boy. I'm smarter than you. You're just a girl. She said, well, you, 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 you get over. So she moved the little boy over, and she got there, and in no time, she had that puzzle together. He said, how did you do that? <laughs> uh, I hope you all vote for Sarah Palin. By the way, have you ever seen such hypocrisy among the women's movement? They're not for women, they're for the liberal agenda. That's very obvious. That's very obvious. The little boy said, how did you put that puzzle together? Now listen to this, it can change your life. She said, it's easy. She said, I got Jesus in the middle and all of the other pieces fit right in. Folks, when you get Christ in the center of every part of your life, all of the jagged pieces of life fit right in. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. But if you seek the other things, you'll miss everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time with these students. I pray that you'll bless them. I pray they'll remember these lessons forever. Thank you once again for the life of Dr. Jerry Falwell, for his vision. Thank you for Pastor Jonathan. Bless him at Thomas Road. And may from this day until we stand before you, we have the motto that this school and the church has been known for, Jesus first. In his glorious name I pray, amen.